Women Taking the Lead, episode 141. There, there's power in silence and, and just kind of before you knee jerk, which gets me in trouble when I do that, um, if you'll just take a step back and just watch everything for a minute and kind of figure out how the game is played, you can be a more effective leader. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognize to reserve your spot in our upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work you do. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Alicia Cuello, who is a national conference speaker, facilitator, and coach specializing in nonverbal communication. She has spent over 20 years reading and interpreting body language and launched the popular podcast series, Body Language for Sales Success. Alicia received her Master of Human Resources from the University of Houston and relocated to Denver, Colorado in 2004, where she currently resides. Well, Alicia, thank you for coming on to share what you know. And as you know so far, that's just a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Sure. Um, gosh, there's, there's a lot to it. So I was raised in Houston, Texas. I'm one of five daughters, and we were born to two mentally ill parents. Um, my mom left my dad when I was eight years old, and um, the the childhood has been classified on a scale of one to four, four being unimaginable as a three. So it was a very, um, very tough situation, um, a lot of hardship, a lot of poverty, and um, basically... Nobody expected any of us to make it. And we were pretty much told on a daily basis, you're not going to mount anything. You're going to live on a system. Um, you know, you might as well just accept it. And surprisingly enough, all five of us did very well for ourselves. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me pick my jaw back up. Okay. That's awesome. I didn't see that coming because you and I have chatted before. And you know what? That's really what's really... Um, speaks to me right now is your resilience because at no time have I ever talked to you. Do you present like someone who has struggled with life tremendously, right? We all have our struggles, yeah. but you don't come, you are so polished, so put together. And that kind of speaks to the work that you're doing right now that, and not like there's anything wrong with it, but you, you just come across like, like, I don't know, just like, so like, Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, so just to kind of explain what happened. So it was a, it was a very difficult childhood. Um, and the men that surrounded uh, me and my sisters, and I'm going to focus on me, the men that surrounded me uh, made it very clear that women were second class citizens and that we took what we got and, um, you know, we were replaceable. Um, we were also put in situations or I was put in situations where you had to walk in a room and read it very quickly and then get out of the way because you were constantly exposed to um, situations that could do you harm physically and mentally and all that stuff. So that's actually what heightened my ability to read body language. So um, when I was in my early 20s, I finally hit my rock bottom and I got into therapy. And, and we started looking at everything and started um, figuring out what, who did I, who did I want to become? Because I always knew in the back of my head, as bad as it got, 
that that I was better than this. I just had to figure out a way to get out of the situation. And in my early 20s, I got into therapy, I got an office job, and I actually became surrounded by positive adult role models, both men and women, who sat me down and said, you can do this, stay in school, we want to help you. And that's really what got me on my path between that office job and my therapist and just knowing that I was going to slip because I was also trying to end a 10-year on-again, off-again abusive relationship. And I did slip and I just had a therapist that stuck stuck it out. And it took her about two years to get me away from him. Um, But it was between having to be accountable to her and these people that I was working with. They were all uh, executives. Um, I just did it. And then I just never stopped. Yeah, you know, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of self-reflection, but sometimes, you know, just having that person that, that, you know, third party who believes in us and sees the potential in us, that gets us to see it in ourselves when sometimes we can't see it for ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, and absolutely. And, and it was, I know this sounds goofy, but um, there were two vice presidents named Brandy and Lynn, and I had to go show them my college report card every semester. And they would sit down with me. And, and, um, and at that point was when I started pulling um, A's and B's in college because somebody cared. And then um, I, I remember as soon as I got my, my bachelor's degree, and it took me six years, and I was so proud of myself. And I showed it to Lynn. I'm like, look, Lynn, I graduated. She, she goes, great. When are you going back to your master's? And I remember being horrified by that question. And then I went back um, four years later and got my master's. And I'm the only person in our family, in our extended family, to have gotten their advanced degree. Yeah, because somebody talked to you about yeah. it. Somebody said, yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow, Alicia. Well, you've clearly had success with a capital S on many different levels in your life. And my goodness, you're so confident. You're so put together. But, you know, and you, you know, likely had a lot of playing small moments, especially when you didn't have anyone in your life telling you how amazing you were and how special you were and what you were capable of. But if you could pull out a specific playing small moment um, and share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Okay. Um, I, I think the small moment was, um, it was, her name was Lynn Weeks and she was the vice president of nursing for this hospital. And, um, I, I was still struggling when I got into that office job, I was partying hard. Um, I was not doing well. And I remember her sitting me down and saying, um, and she said, you remind me a lot of myself when I was your age, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're not applying yourself. You're screwing it up here. And I hate, I would hate to see what would happen if you don't, you know, um, uh, if you don't apply yourself. And so she just had a heart to heart with me. And it was really Lynn getting me turned around and understanding that here's this powerful woman who stepped in. And, and I got to tell you that Lynn, I don't know that I would have gotten out of college. I mean, she, she knew I'm, I can't hide this. I had a drinking problem and she was like, you've got to stop this. And so she sat down and between Lynn basically meeting with me, because I had to see her every day, um, she would meet with me on a personal level once a week just to see how I was doing and then giving that, um, giving her my grades. That's what got me on the path. And then she and I would talk about, well, what do you want to do? Where do you see yourself? And then I would go back to my therapist and we would start working on those little voices in my head that bought into the stuff that I had grown up with, that I wasn't going to amount to anything. So um, between those two women, 
that's really what got me on my path. But it was, I, I equate this to Lynn. She sat me down and basically said, get your act together because you're wasting your life. And I was in my early 20s. Right. My goodness. And what, what have you, what did that experience teach you? What were the lessons you learned from that? Um, the le- Well, first thing is um, I, for the first time, I realized that um, there were adults out there who were successful because I had grown up in an environment where a lot of people were not successful. And you just, when the tough got going, you sat down and you, you just, you didn't do anything. You became a victim. And Lynn was like, you're not a victim. So she was the one who put it in my head. Number one, I can be anything I want to be. Number two, when the tough gets going, you don't sit down, you get up and you do something about it. And then um, last but not least, the big thing I think here is that when, when you find somebody who believes in you and, and Lynn really didn't know me, but she saw something in me that made me want to make her proud. And so for the first time I got out of my head about, it's all about me and started looking at, okay, Lynn is this powerful vice president who's making a positive impact on the world. She's head of nursing. How can I positively impact the world? And then that's kind of what got me on my path. That's why I went into human resources, which tends to be um, a lot of women and a lot of people in there want to help. They want to make the situations better. So I, I really equate that to Lynn sitting down and, and me looking and, and seeing this positive female role model who was taking an honest look at me and saying, you've got so much more to offer. So those were the lessons where it was time for me to stop believing the tape in my head and to stop drinking so much and to really figure out, even though I was in my 20s, you you have a responsibility in this world to to do something positive, especially with my life. And so that's probably what Lynn gave me. That was the turning point was when I met Lynn. Nice. And now, Alicia, if you could share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call, you know, for some people, it, it's like a moment, it's an aha, it's like a light bulb going off. And for others, it, it's progress. It's over time. It's hearing something again and again and thinking about it. But in each case, there's a moment when, you know, you're poised for action and, and you start taking the steps. So take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. You know, um, okay, I'll, I'll give you a more recent success story. Um, so I have my company, Underlying Communications, and um, I, I had been in human resources for over 20-something years, and I was just really burned out. But I was also afraid. You hear about those uh, golden handcuffs? Because, yeah. yeah, I was making really good money. Um, I didn't have to worry about anything anything, but I was just empty inside. I was just dead. And I was really scared to leave, but I knew um, that what I was doing was soul crushing for me. So about four years ago, or now I think we're up to five, I started looking around and thinking, how can I have a positive impact? Uh, What else can I do? And um, I got a, um, a business coach and I started working with him on this company called Underlying Communications, where I work with people on their body language and their communications because, you know, I feel like that's where a lot of the problems come in organizations is there's a lack of communication or a breakdown in communication. Um, anyway, so I was doing that for four years and um, I just got to the point where I thought, I have to leave. And so in April of this year, I went ahead and I left corporate America and I'm just doing this because I get up in the morning and I get to do interviews like this and I get to work with people who truly want to um, communicate with other people. 
and they're happy to see me. Whereas in human resources, I was an investigator. You didn't want to see me. And so I had to deal with the, you know, the, the hard part and the reality of, of people not getting along. So it was just waking up and understanding that um, I can't do this anymore. I have to find something that makes me happy. And, and so I started my own company. Oh my goodness. That is so awesome. You know, and I, I meet a lot of HR um, people, directors, generalists, all sort of things. And, you know, the HR role is humongous. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different areas to doing HR. It's surprise. It shouldn't be called a department. It should be called a division. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and what I find is, you know, there are some people who like the administrative stuff, the payroll, the benefits, that sort of thing. Yeah. But I find most people go into HR because they want to help people yeah. um, and they want to make a difference. And I meet so many who become frustrated because they get boxed into certain parts of the HR role that are not fulfilling. Yeah for them. And so a lot of them do end up breaking out and either becoming coaches or consultants or, you know, start a business to teach people different things because then they can focus on the special area that they're interested in and help people in the way that they want to help people. Correct. Correct. And I do feel like now, um, so I have been working a lot with salespeople and now I've been asked to come back into the HR organization and start working with them, um, more, which I needed a break at first. And then, but what happened, um, and Jody, I don't think you even know this is back in December, I was, I found myself working next door to the San Bernardino shootings, shooters, and it shook me to my core. And I have uh, recently been approached by some HR organizations saying, we'd like to talk to you about how do you work with people who have to go back into the workplace after such a dramatic, a traumatic event has happened. And so um, part of my presentation talks about what trauma looks like and sounds like in an employee so that employers can recognize it and can step in and help them. And basically, in my mind, it's circle the wagons to help those employees. And that brings me a lot of joy because it's a combination of HR and body language and making the world a better place. Yeah. And being able to focus on an area that you have a lot of interest and passion around right now so that you're fulfilled and feeling joyful doing the work that you're doing, you know, in that you can deliver exactly what it is, you know, people need and not just what you're being told to. So, yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And Elisa, what I want everyone to get is there's no one way to lead. You know, as you know, we all have different backgrounds. We see things from different perspectives. We have different strengths. So we're going to all have different styles and that's good. That, that means we can actually complement each other. We don't want everyone leading in the same way. So Alicia, how would you describe your leadership style? (laughs) Yeah, I've been asked that before. Um, I believe in power and silence. And, and what I mean by that is, um, I do very well with other leaders who um, step up and kind of, you know, um, are the face of the situation. I'm the quiet one in that I'm stepping back and I'm watching and I'm observing and I'm absorbing everything. And then when I have something to say, then I say it. And um, it's amazing to me is because I am so quiet. I shouldn't say quiet, but I'm just reserved most of the time that by the time I get ready to say something, I have everyone's attention. So my big thing is um, to there, there's power in silence and and just kind of before you knee jerk, which gets me in trouble when I do that. Um, if you'll just take a step back and just watch everything for a minute and kind of figure out how the game is played, 
you can be a more effective leader. And that's just the way I do it. Um, the other piece is I lead by doing. So Jody, if I asked you to do something, it's not something I wouldn't do. And it's, uh, and there's a good chance that I'll step out there and I'll help you with it because I, I, I truly believe, um, a good leader isn't afraid to get their hands dirty. Right. You know, the two components make perfect sense because you were talking about how you grew up and how you really need to be um, a good observer and quick and quick. So it makes sense that in different situations, you would kind of sit back for a little bit, observe what's going on, take it all in and then offer because then you're better able to position what you have to say for the people who are in the room. And, And also what I know is coming from a big family, you tend to do a lot of things together. (laughs) there's no such thing as a prima donna in a big family (laughs) there's not and then also building on that and I I hate to say it but it's true Um, women get we get labeled as being emotional and so I also found that I do very well with with men especially men executives in that um, if if I can take a step back and not be so emotional about the situation they're willing to listen to me whereas I'm in the room with some other people who tend to just be chaotic and twirly and knee-jerk and they get dismissed. So it's mm-hmm. also a way to um, really work very well with both men and women. Women understand it. Men tend to get it when you can separate the emotion out of it. Absolutely. And Alicia, with you being, you know, I know you had your business before while you were full-time, but now you're full-time in your business. So a couple of months in, what are the biggest either leadership or business challenge, or what I should say is the (laughs) biggest or leadership challenge you're having right now? It is um, standing out. And I don't mean that in a, in a, uh, in a bad way. There's so much noise, Jody that um, I'm surprised at the amount of stuff I have to do to just chip away to be heard. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, But I've had my podcast series for two years. I've got a large audience with that. I've started video blogging. Um, I've started, you know, posting on all the media sites. Um, I shouldn't say started. I've been doing it more. But now I'm at a point where I've got to get out. The virtual stuff is great, but now it's time for me to start networking and just, you know, putting out proposals and, and that's been, that's been the challenge because it is, um, it's a lot. And you and I talked about coffee dates and it's just about Mm -hmm. one step in front of the other, um, and just getting out there and that it's a lot. It is a fun job. (laughs) Yes. Marketing can be a whole full-time job. And, you know, I remember when I was new too, you have to look at as like, like you said, one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And I used to just, I used to just say to myself over and over again, I'm planting seeds, yeah. I'm planting seeds. Not all of this is going to come to fruition, but I can't stop either because I'm okay. planting seeds. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, well, well, let's look at the flip side of the coin. What is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? I'm really excited about, um, about the San Bernardino presentation um, because I've already been invited by two very large um, HR uh, national chapters to come out and give this presentation. And it just, it makes me feel good because for so long, I didn't feel good about what had happened. Um, and now I have the opportunity to come in here and positively impact a situation. And, and in my mind, I'm, I'm helping to protect the employees. It, for me, it's about the impacted employees. And that's what I got into HR to help with. So that's what I'm super excited about. And it, I know it's a, it's a tough um, a, a tough presentation, but in the long run, it's needed. And as soon as I start talking about it, people are like, oh my gosh, we do need that. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm excited about right now. 
next. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I imagine too, not to harp on it, but you know, someone with your background too, you can hold the space for emotions like that because you're, you're familiar with them. Yes. And, and Julia, I'll also say, I also am working with, um, I'm working with the therapist because some of the things are still difficult to talk about. And that's what I would say to your listeners is don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you've got some trained professionals out there that are doing wonders and uh, I'm fortunate to be working with one. I, I am, I am in the place to be doing this. It's just, there are, there are a couple of spots for me that are still difficult and I'm going to get through it so that I can get out there and I can talk to people and I can help them understand what's really happening with these employees and how to, how to help them get through this. Yeah. They're very compassionate yeah. <laughs> therapists out there that can help. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, Alicia, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us what is one practice that you have that helps to make you a better leader? You know what? I, I, I know this sounds strange. I never, I, I know I'm the leader. I don't see myself as the leader. I see myself as one of the pack and it, by, by getting real and keeping it real with people, they just naturally follow you because I have, I have integrity and I'm not willing to do something that I'm out of a line with. And people dig that. And, and that is what, why people like me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's being a humble leader. Like you're you're a leader, right? right. Because you kind of know the way, show the way, go the way, that sort of thing. Yeah. But you don't see yourself as being better right. than anybody else or above anybody else. And that's the kind of leader people want to follow. Right. And so for me it just happens naturally. I, I've always told everybody, I'm like, I never saw myself in a leadership role. It just happens. <laughs> One sometimes it happens that way. One day you wake up and everyone's, you know, wants to know what you think and wants to know what you're gonna do and they want you to step up. Exactly. So. Exactly. Where did that come from? <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, Alicia, what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Well, I this is this is one that I've really enjoyed and I've had it for years. It's called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office 101. Unconscious mistakes women make that sabotage their careers. And it's by Lois Frankel. And it, she just gives these really great tips like um, asking for permission and decorating your office like your living room. And it was very eye-opening, um, the things that we do that can sabotage us. And um, I just, I liked it because it really made me, I mean, let's face it, um, there's still women, we're not as powerful in corporate America as men are. I mean, that's just the way it is right now. And so when you start to look at things a little bit differently and polish how you're coming across, you'd be amazed how people react to you. Yes. You know, one thing um, that's something I'm always working on right now is being more direct in my communication because mm -hmm. I realize I don't know where it came from, but, and I notice other women doing this too. We, we soften our messages, yep. right? And I think it's around, you know, the fear that like people will hate us if huh? we, you know, or treat us unkindly if we say what we want and what we need and we're very direct about it, you know, so, but softening the message also dilutes the message right? and make, and makes it seem like it's not that important to you. But if you want to be a, a leader, if you want to be heard and to have people follow your directions, mm -hmm. you have to be direct, you know, right. and, and I think that's one of the self-sabotaging behaviors right. that women definitely have. Well, and Jody, so I, in my podcast series, I did a series um, uh, specifically for professional women. And one of the things I talk about is I have watched women go into conference rooms and sit in the chair and their chair is lower than everybody else's. And I'm like, lift your chair up. Because what happens is 
you, uh, so you automatically visually are lower than everybody else and everyone else has to look down on you to speak. So you can be standing there trying or sitting there trying to give, you know, this powerful message, but, but visually we're all looking down at you. So you're beneath us. It's a subconscious thing. So those are, those are some of the podcasts that I talk about is, um, you know, what can you do as a professional woman um, to, to impact you had to come across more, um, more powerfully. And one of them is lift your speed up. I love that. Yeah. Such simple advice, something simple to do, but probably something we hadn't been paying attention to before. And now that our attention is called to it, we'll be more conscious and we'll fix the chair as soon as we sit down. I love it. And Alicia, what did we, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh gosh. Uh, I would tell her, get her act together sooner. Uh, seriously, I, she needs I would have been, I would have said stop being so hard on yourself. There, there was just so much stuff going on. I, I wish I had gotten into therapy sooner. And I got into therapy in my early 20s. I wish I'd gotten into it as a teenager. And that's what I would tell her is you need to go talk to somebody. Because you're better than this, but your behavior is playing into what people have said about you. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and that's not true. That's what I would have told her. Wow. And now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Okay. Um, I read this by Emerson probably 20 years ago. He said, I'm paraphrasing, but it's who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. And it, it was, I didn't realize it was about body language at the time. But um, basically, you know, actions speak louder than words. And as a body language expert now, I understand that your actions really um, um belie what you believe about the situation. So you can tell me anything, but I'm watching you because that's going to tell me how you really feel about the situation. And it's just such a powerful statement to make, which is pay attention to their body language. Yes, absolutely. And lastly, Alicia, what's the best way for this community to connect with you? Um, okay. So I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the regular ones, uh, Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, but if they want to email me, it's Alicia at underlyingcommunications.com. Um, I've also got all of my contact information on my website, which is underlyingcommunications.com. And then for your listeners, when they go to my front page, I've got um, free quick tips. Those are my tips for women. So if they want to click on that, they'll get free downloads of, there's like five podcasts. And they're just the simple tips like power in your seat and, and smiling when it's appropriate. Um, and that's just my gift to them because I think if more women um, knew these things, they would come across more powerful than some of them do. That makes sense. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Alicia, thank you so much for being so open and for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you, Jody. Pleasure. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life? Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognized to reserve your spot in my upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work that you do. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. 
There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me, and here's to your success.